Well, hello and welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and I'm joined for the first time today by Wesley Hilliard, writer and editor on the Apple Insider website. Thanks for joining me, Wesley. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Wanted to jump right into some of the biggest news from the week. The leaks that came out for the supposed entire iPhone 12 and iPhone 12 Pro lineup. And this comes from the leaker, John Prosser, which, you know, he's been having some tweets and leaks recently talking about Final Cut coming to the iPad and the iPad Pro leaks. And so now he has released all this information about what the iPhone 12 lineup will look like come September, October, whenever Apple may release them. Run down some of the things that he is predicting as going to be leaked. Uh, So he is saying there's going to be an iPhone 12 and 12 Pro, just like there's an 11 and 11 Pro now. Also that there's going to be Max versions of both phones as well. So iPhone 12 and 12 Max, 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max. I feel like there is probably a better way to name these phones going forward someday, but We'll see. We'll see if Apple ever changes it. Yeah, it looks like it's getting a bit confusing on that end. Yeah, especially for those not in the world. You know, there's, there's, um, they're not very descriptive of what they mean. Yeah, we're going into a fall cycle with five iPhones for sale, which is going to be pretty insane. Right, exactly. With the new SE that came out recently as well. So these are ranging the iPhone 12 non-pro model. He is saying it's going to be a 5.4 inch OLED and a 6.1 inch OLED. So this is different from the current iPhone 11 model, which is an LCD display, just with a rounded corner. So this is going to be a full OLED lineup. On the regular 12 models, it'll be four gigabytes of RAM, memory 128 or 256, an aluminum body, dual camera system like the iPhone 11, and the starting price would be at 649. That's the regular 12 models. And then the 12 Pro models will be the OLED Super Retina XDR. And so this would be the first time I think we're having this kind of branding on the iPhone screen. Obviously, we have the Pro Display XDR right now for the, you know, paired with the Mac Pro. But so a Super Retina XDR display, 6.1 inch or 6.7 inch for the Pro models. He's also claiming that it will come with ProMotion, like the current iPad Pro models. ProMotion being the 120 hertz or some other number, a refresh rate, so it looks much smoother and clearer as you're scrolling, uh, plus the 10-bit color depth, 6 gigabytes of RAM, memory can go up to 512 gigabytes, a stainless steel body, it will add the LiDAR sensor to the triple camera configuration on the back, and a starting price of $9.99 for the regular Pro model. No word on USB-C, which I know Andrew and I have talked about that in the past, I don't know your feeling about lightning or ever hope for USB-C to come. Prosser actually pointed out uh, in a separate tweet that USB-C would never come to iPhone, that it would go portless before it ever got USB-C. That's his uh, five-star opinion anyway. Oh, I see. Well, unfortunately, that might prove Andrew right in the future, so we'll see. <laughs> Not a ton of information. Again, sometimes the software that comes out with the phones and whatever new features come from the hardware really tells the full story come the keynote. Uh, but, you know, it makes sense that the LiDAR would come to the phone like it's in the iPad Pro now. ProMotion, again, has been on the iPad Pro for a little while. It'd be great to come to it. Welcome upgrades. It'll be nice to also have the two sizes on the lower end iPhone 12, since you only have that one size option now. But uh, what do you think, Wesley? Uh, any of these features appeal to you or anything else that you would have liked to have seen? Well, the smaller uh, phone 
on the iPhone 12, the uh, screen size being 5.4 inches. Uh, it's very interesting considering we again have an even cheaper phone now at the iPhone SE. Combining that with the rest of the line, it's kind of hard to keep up with exactly where you might fall into place. Uh, if cheapness is your priority, Apple obviously has you there, but we're definitely seeing Apple add uh, more features up the line without changing the price too much. I mean, we just saw a Samsung phone come out that was, what, $1,500 at the base value. So right. at least uh, Apple's holding onto these prices a little bit longer. The ProMotion is a welcome addition. I've looked forward for that on the iPhone for a long time. And, you know, obviously the screens are always great on the new iPhone models. And so I'm sure this Super Retina XDR, if that's what it is, would look great as well. It looked like there was some uh, asterisks with some of these features, though, like uh, right. the OLED display on the cheaper phones being from BOE supply right. being a concern, considering uh, that Samsung supplies the more expensive models. You know, I don't know, are you a, a regular size iPhone guy or a max screen size guy? That's actually kind of a funny story because I always went with the biggest model iPhone available until this year when I accidentally ordered the iPhone uh, 11 Pro. And when it came in, I found, oh, why doesn't it fit this case? I don't know what's going on. Oh, well, I got the smaller phone this time and I've actually quite enjoyed it. Yeah, and that's I was a big phone camp, you know, back when the 6 and 6 Plus came out because there was always a feature difference. The Plus always had some additional camera feature, whether that was optical image stabilization or, you know, with the iPhone 7 the Plus model was the only one that had the dual camera system. So it was a Plus model. And then with the 10, you know, you only had the one size. That was it. You know, there was no larger model. And I've stuck with the smaller size since then. Um, I have the 11 Pro regular now. And I do, I like that size as well. And as long as there's feature parity between the regular size and the max size, I think, I think I'll stick with the regular Pro. So now do you have a 2018 or 2020 iPad Pro? I have the uh, 2020 I traded up when it came out. Okay. And do you, have you found the LiDAR scanner to be of any particular use to you or a, a cool feature? Or how have your experience been? It's one of those things where it only comes up when you need it. Um, mm -hmm. I've needed to measure a few things and I've played with the measure app and a buddy of mine needed a desk for his apartment. So played around with that in AR and that actually worked out pretty well. It's pretty nice being able to just open up the app and have it start working. Um, I've experimented with a couple of games with it, and uh, while they haven't been optimized for LiDAR, it's still able to capture that uh, room data much faster, and you're able to just jump right into the game. So that's definitely been a big change, but whether or not you use the LiDAR is uh, probably the biggest factor here. Right, and I imagine app developers might speed up whatever apps or plans they might have if it's available on the iPhone. So stay tuned to AppleInsider.com. And also, I meant to mention at the top of the show, but I'll mention it here, AppleInsider.com got a major redesign earlier this week. It is now a fully responsive website and it looks great. And kudos to the entire team that has worked on the design and development of this uh, new iteration of AppleInsider.com. Also, some of the news that came out is the AirPod Studio uh, rumors. There's been several rumors coming out and uh, we've touched on it before, but you know, right now Apple has standard AirPods, has the AirPods Pro with noise canceling, still earbud style. And now these AirPods Studio, the over the ear, over the head style headphones that might be coming out. And again, AirPods Studio is the rumored name. Uh, unsure exactly what it is, but the feature that came out this week in a rumor is the head and neck detection. How the AirPods now, you know, they can detect if you take one out, automatically pause your music or podcast that these AirPods Studio will have a similar feature uh, for head and neck detection. And uh, I'm curious uh, about these for sure. Um, I have kind of a pair of Sony over-the-ear headphones right now, 
Uh, and really the feature I like about it the most is that it has the headphone cable that you can remove and insert as needed. And then you can use them as wireless Bluetooth headphones if you'd like. And so hopefully Apple includes that wired option on these over the here headphones as well, especially if they're used in a studio type setting. But do you have any interest in these or do you have the AirPods Pro and like those? Uh, I'm actually using the AirPods Pro um, for our call right now. I gotcha. <laughs> the the other half of this call is uh, my Beat Studio uh, so I can hear myself talk in my recording. So definitely playing around in both worlds a little bit. I think that as long as it sticks that $350 price point that has been rumored, that I will definitely be looking into these when they get announced. This episode is brought to you by Clean My Mac X. I'm so excited for this new sponsor because it has some killer features that I have been looking for and you have heard me talk about on this very podcast. Clean My Mac X is a beautifully designed application for managing clutter on your Mac. It shows you what exactly is stored on your Mac, revealing app leftovers and system junk that you didn't know existed in your system. And you maybe heard me talk about looking for something that lets me delete or completely uninstall an app along with all of its helper files so I know it's totally gone from my system. And Clean My Mac X does exactly that. The app's most popular feature is the Smart Scan. It examines your system for log files and user cache that is no longer needed. Smart Scan also does a quick malware check and runs optimization tasks to speed up your Mac. All of these only take just a couple seconds. It's designed for macOS 10.10 and higher. I'm using it on macOS Catalina, and they say it is Catalina ready and it is working great. It helps to speed up even the oldest machines. The maintenance feature offers multiple tweaks to optimize your slow system. Among other benefits of Clean My Mac X is a straightforward installation. It takes a couple minutes to get the app on your Mac, and you'll be ready to perform a smart scan instantly. And let me just say, when you download it and install it, it has a wonderfully charming startup introduction with a little jingle and beautiful icons like this really is a beautiful app for your mac clean my mac x has a trial mode and it allows you to try out all the apps features for free and decide whether it works for you so get this just visit macpaw.com slash podcast to download clean my mac x today and you can use the coupon code apple insider all one word to receive five percent off upon visiting macpaw.com slash podcast click the buy now button Scroll to the bottom of your screen to enter the code before you complete your purchase. That's Apple Insider, all one word, to receive 5% off Clean My Mac X. And it is now also available on the Apple App Store. Our thanks to MacPaw and Clean My Mac X for sponsoring this show. You told me as we were preparing for the call that you're kind of a iPad-only, iPad-all-the-way setup with a full-on you know, hub and displays, USB-C. And as you said, you have the new 2020 iPad model. So I'd love to hear kind of more about your setup in general. Yeah, tell me about it. I've not really been in the industry very long to uh, need to work from computers or anything like that. I just separated from the Navy in December. A lot of my time was spent on these computers, uh, just, you know, toying around or playing with different things, you know, nerd stuff. Mm -hmm. I discovered a couple of years ago that what I was doing with the MacBook Pro I was doing more on my iPad and Apple kind of jarred that along with the new iPad redesigns with the 2018 models. So it kind of just kicked me into gear of wanting to say, Hey, maybe I should just dedicate myself to one device. And uh, I saw that, you know, Federico Vitici over at Mac stories 
was doing similar things and uh, kind of just kept an eye on that. And he inspired me to try a few things out and I've just been working from it ever since. And so tell me like practically hardware wise, what do you have to use your iPad in its entire setup, your monitor and everything? I use it in a couple different ways. So right now I'm at my desk and uh, when I'm at a desk setup, I have my iPad in a little stand connected over USB-C to a LG Ultrafine display, one of Apple's uh, older models, the 22 inch, I believe. And that is actually connected to a hub, which has my microphone ethernet connection and such uh, connected to that. So when I'm at my desk, I'm using an external mouse and keyboard using my monitor as the primary display, mirroring all the content, obviously. And then when I want to get up and go, I can just pop the cable out of the iPad and move it over to my magic keyboard that I recently got, formerly a bridge keyboard, go about my business as needed. So are you using a trackpad or a physical mouse or like, you know, a mouse style when you're at your desk? I'm currently using the magic trackpad too, because of Apple actually optimizing for it. So Right, right. And so and you have a hub then connected to your LG Ultrafine as well, you said? Yeah, it's the Stego from 12 South. It has a three USB-A ports, connects over USB-C to the monitor. Does pretty well. I probably should use something a little simpler, but it having the uh, Ethernet connection and USB-A ports uh, helps out a lot. Yeah, you know what? I, f- I forgot the iPad actually supports that Ethernet connection. You find a big difference between that and the Wi-Fi on the iPad specifically? Well, if anything, at least uh, I, I don't get any dropouts. Um, right. It, being in an apartment, you do fight with wireless signals with other people, and it can tend to get a little crowded. At least that I, I'm guaranteed to continue that uh, Internet connection being at my desktop. So, Man, that's cool. So do you ever experience, because I, I have the 2018 iPad Pro, I have the Magic Keyboard, and I do, I really enjoy using it. But there are some times where there's a certain task or something on a website that is really like, I kind of just hit a roadblock. And whether it's like a weird website functionality where it won't let me click a certain way or copy text a certain way, do you ever run into those kinds of situations? And what do you do when you run into it? Well, it's, it is it is getting more rare as we go forward with Apple's little updates uh, to run into this kind of stuff. It, it really depends on the website owner, you know, developing for this kind of stuff. I've definitely run into it on Google's platforms, Google Sheets. We use that for uh, work a lot and you cannot use two finger scrolling inside Google Sheets. I can only navigate through a keyboard wow. uh, using the arrow keys. Sometimes I run into situations where I want to load a, a photo or file from the files app on iPad. And when you click in a website on a share item that's meant to be for desktop, sometimes it just doesn't understand and, and ignores it. And I have to completely force close uh, Safari and go back in and then it suddenly works. It's just weird little glitches like that that pop up, but very rarely. And so how have your experience been with the new Magic Keyboard for iPad? You like it? Any reservations about it? Things you want changed? Well, I definitely miss having a dedicated uh, function row uh, with iPad specific keys like the bridge keyboard has. That's always been uh, really nice to have, uh, having the brightness and volume controls um, without having to go to control center every single time. But other than that, it's been a pretty amazing little keyboard. Previously working at my couch or something, if I need to lay back, there's been no way for me to really do that without having to reach up and touch the screen, go back to the keyboard because bringing a trackpad along in that situation doesn't really work. But now this, you know, all in one setup, kind of gives me the ability to really work from anywhere and it's been quite nice. So with when you have it at your desk and you have the hub, do you ever use external hard drives with the iPad? Yeah, there's a 
dedicated, I, I have this one of those little Samsung T1 hard drives, I believe they're called. Mm. One terabyte in storage, and uh, I it's always connected to the LG monitor, so whenever I connect my iPad to it, it's automatically there. And that's because I do photography and stuff on the side as a, as a little hobby, and when I want to just dock my camera to the Stego hub, I can drag images from the camera to the hard drive uh, directly and then manipulate it from there. Now, have you ever run into any issues with the hard drive stuff, retaining access or re- retaining connection with files or anything like that? No, uh, it's just there and it isn't. Um, it's not like on a desktop where you have to uh, eject it properly and you get all these warnings. Um, it, you can plug and play and it's it, it pops in every single time. At least this hard drive, it's an SSD. I guess it's probably more reliable. Mm. But yeah, definitely not had any issues there. Have you ever tried, have you done any like video stuff on the iPad, maybe an iMovie or Premiere Rush with files off the hard drive? I haven't had much experience messing with uh, video files like that. No, mostly just photography stuff, but probably something to try. I tried using uh, iMovie with files on an external hard drive connected to my iPad Pro. And it was working while I was working on the file. And then when I closed it and went back another day, you know, it didn't retain those connections uh, to those source files. And so the iMovie project itself was kind of useless at that point. And now I still get this. I have about 100 video files that I was using in the project. There's The hard drive has not been connected since. I've actually deleted the iMovie project. And for some reason, those 100 video files continue to replicate themselves in my photo library on the iPad. I don't know if it's something with the import process or what, but have you run into any of that weird you know, iCloud photo library stuff with the photo files that you're working on off the hard drive? Uh, nothing like that. But hmm. again, I, I don't think I've uh, run in, been using any apps that would connect to uh, the photo library and files that way. What do you edit in on your iPad for the with photos? Photoshop? Uh, I use the uh, Affinity Photo, Affinity Designer to do different stuff. And do you copy the files? Like what's your workflow? So you put in the SD card from your camera or connect your camera directly. Well, what's your workflow with those files after that? So I shoot in RAW and uh, I take the photos directly off the camera and put it into files, uh, local storage on the iPad. And then, um, I do a backup onto the hard drive. And then, uh, from affinity, I can open files directly from the files themselves. So can edit in place without having to do anything crazy. And then, so when you edit them in affinity, you're editing the raw photo file locally on the iPad and you don't have to save another version? Actually, I'm sorry. That's a Pixelmator photo lets you do that now. Gotcha. But I believe Affinity still forces you to use their uh, in-app uh, library. Basically, same idea, except in that case, you would be importing a photo into their library, then exporting the edit out. Gotcha. Pretty cool. What size iPad you get? You get the full terabyte? Yeah, it's the one terabyte with cellular. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding out. It was really tempting for me. Again, as your main machine, it makes sense. You know, get get the 2020 model. It's kind of my secondary. I was tempted, but I'm waiting for that mini LED possibility. Um, and also maybe that newer chip, you know, if the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro come out with the a14 something or other uh, bionic for their uh, newer ipad pro model to come out again there's been rumors on appleinsider.com we've been covering a lot of them that mini led screens may not come till 2021 now and unclear what device would get it first but i'm hopefully gonna hold out now if they come out with an ipad pro early next year or late this year with the new a14 you're gonna jump ship again you think it really depends on the situation 
I got a gut feeling here that we're not going to see another iPad refresh at least till the end of next year. Mm-hmm. There, there are some rumors pointing to a spring release, but those are always in quotes. And rumor guys were watching, but I'll, I'll say potentially with a pushback due to our you know whole world situation. So yeah. I wouldn't hold my breath too much for a too soon release. Well, very cool. Thanks for sharing your setup. Yeah, I'd be curious as iOS 14 and new features come out, have you back on and talk about how it changes your setup? Yeah, let us know. If- This episode is brought to you by Masterclass. If you've never heard of Masterclass, it's an incredible online and mobile learning experience where you can learn from some of the best in the business across all areas, whether it's art, entertainment, music, cooking, makeup and beauty, and so much more. I love Masterclass because it has classes that really speak to my interests. I've taken a class with Hans Zimmer and learned about film scoring. And I've talked about Chris Voss before in The Art of Negotiation. And let me tell you, if you're a freelancer or you work with clients and contracts, taking that Chris Voss class on negotiation would be a great tool to help you in your freelance work. Masterclass has over 75 different instructors across tons of categories. There's literally something for everyone. What I love about Masterclass too is you can access it on any device you'd like, whether that's an Apple TV, iPad, iPhone, or even on the web. The video quality and production on these videos are incredible. I love just to watch it for the visual aspect, but what they are teaching you is invaluable. Incredible learning experience. I also like to do it on my iPhone because then if I get in the car or if I need to go to audio only and listen to a class, I can switch it from video to audio mode just with one toggle. And now I'm listening to a masterclass from Hans Zimmer or Gordon Ramsay on cooking. The lessons are just about 10 to 15 minutes in length, so it's super flexible. You can do a lesson on your lunch break, just squeeze one in in between what you're working on, and again, on any device that you have, it's available anywhere. So I highly recommend you check out Masterclass. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass, and as an Apple Insider listener, you get 15% off the annual all-access pass. So go to masterclass.com slash appleinsider. That's masterclass.com slash Apple Insider for 15% off Masterclass. Our thanks to Masterclass for sponsoring this show. And with that setup, I was also curious about your shortcuts usage uh, because I know Federico Vitici over at Mac Stories, he's all about not only iPad as main device, but like kind of the shortcuts guru and, and the, the go to person for how to utilize shortcuts on iOS. And so I thought, here uh, as a segment on the show and something we'd return to in the future, kind of like how we did a little HomeKit segment last week. I'd like to talk about Siri shortcuts and how we use them. I kind of tweeted uh, a little bit of a humble brag uh, video. I apologize, but uh, showing kind of all the, <laughs> the shortcuts that I use on my my phone. And uh, you know, it's such a powerful application, and it can be a little difficult to kind of get into at first. You know, if you've never used shortcuts before, it can be a little intimidating, especially if you go to try and create a new shortcut from scratch. Uh, but the gallery now that Apple's re- you know updated with iOS 13, you know, has a is a great place to start to find shortcuts that would be useful for you. And so we're going to talk about some of the shortcuts that we use uh, on our devices, iPhone and iPad, and and some of the new kind of automation options that are available to you as well. So we can go back and forth. I'll tell you a couple of mine and then uh, we'll go back and forth west. So I would say one of the first places to start, especially if you commute, have a significant other that you often like to let know when you're headed home or going home. This is probably my most used Siri shortcut. And it's one you can find in the gallery. 
on your iPhone or iPad. And I'll actually include a link to these shortcuts in the show notes and in the Apple Insider podcast article that goes up because you can actually click the link on that shortcut and then import it to your own device so for you to use. And there's also great places to find other shortcuts. There's actually a Reddit shortcuts thread, and I'll put a link to that in show notes as well. You can find lots of resources there. Uh, But this one you can find in the gallery on your iPhone, and it's usually called like a going home or home ETA shortcut. And basically all it does is let's say you're at your place of work or wherever you are, and you're headed home, and you want to send a text to your significant other letting them know, I'll be home in this many minutes. Well, this shortcut, basically you put in your street address for your home or wherever you're going, you put in that address and shortcuts, the maps block can say, get the driving time from my current location to the street address that I'm inputting, make that a variable or make that a piece of information that I could then use later. So get my current location, get the direction time to my home, and then put that in a minutes text block. And then I have another text block that says be home in travel time, which is the variable. And then the last step is send the text block with the travel time to the recipient. And I have here my wife. And then I just press the shortcut. And in a couple seconds, it pops up a pre-made text that says be home in such and such minutes. And I can just press send. And I can do it where it, it asks for that confirmation. The show and run is that toggle where it confirms and then I hit the send button or you can even automate it where it will just send automatically. That going home shortcut is really useful for me. I have like a 40 to 45 minute commute and it's helpful also to kind of tell me if there's going to be traffic on the way because if that minutes home is much longer than usual, then I know I'm in for some traffic, maybe even want to find a different route home. So Going home shortcut is especially useful. One of my second most used shortcuts is uh, one of the other podcasts I do is actually about uh, movies. And for that, we like to post on social media the movie that we'll be reviewing on the show coming soon to let people know they can go watch it. And so this shortcut, I was kind of proud of this one because this was one I did from scratch. Uh, But this one, when I run it, brings up a text box and it asks for me to input a search query. And so when I hit it, it's... Basically, the keyboard pops up and I could type in whatever, and I type in a movie title. And it takes whatever title that I type in, and it actually searches the iTunes store for that movie. And then it shows me a list of the movies that, uh, that come up with that search. And when I find the one I want, I tap on it. And this is, here's what it, it really gets powerful, uh, what Shortcuts can do. I can actually tell Shortcuts to get the artwork URL and to convert that to an actual image. So I get the image of the movie poster from the iTunes store, and then the shortcut finishes out by superimposing that movie poster image onto a social media frame that's ready for Instagram with my podcast branding on the side, a color scheme that I've chosen, and then it provides that as an image that I can just save to my camera roll, or I can just post it right away. And so with one tap, I search for a movie, And I end up with a custom branded social media post with the movie poster from Toons Movies ready to go. And it's a a lot of steps into it. It pulls that social media image template from my Dropbox. So it can pull that image template file from my Dropbox. It overlays the movie poster and it gives me a final product in just a couple seconds. That's one of my most used ones. And I I really, uh, it saves me a lot of time and I can make a branded, social media post uh, with a movie poster in just a couple seconds. So 
Anyway, that's one of my most used, and I really love that one. So, Wesley, go ahead and tell me a couple of the ones that you use. So, I uh, use a few different ones here. Um, I try to keep it simple. It's actually kind of crazy how powerful even one or two step shortcuts can be. One of the ones on my home screen is just simply connect to AirPods because going to control center, waiting for them to pop up, making sure it actually connects. It's it's a mess. Uh, if you click on this little shortcut, you're pretty much connected in a second or two, no matter what device you're on. So if I'm my iPad or iPhone, mm. iPad mini, whatever, I know that within a second I'll be on my uh, connected to my AirPods. And that's literally the, the one step, set playback destination two. And you can do that with whatever yeah. audio device that you want. Yeah. Another one I'm looking at here, couple steps. I got this one from Fatichi's little uh, list of settings shortcuts, where if you need to get access to something in settings very quickly, these come in handy quite a lot, especially if you don't use a password manager like me, I use Apple's keychain uh, and that is buried all the way in settings. And it's kind of annoying to have to go to the app, scroll down, find the thing. So you click on this, it uses the uh, root access account URL scheme to open directly into the passwords area in settings. And you can basically use it as an icon on your home screen. That's pretty cool. And yeah, and that's something, again, a powerful part of shortcuts is you can set them to be accessed in many places. Uh, One is you can make it a home screen icon, kind of like a website bookmark, or, you know, make it look like an app. And so you can tap it right on a home screen. You can launch it from the widget, either from a long press or 3D touch on the shortcuts app icon or in the widget pane, you know, in your dashboard. Um, And you can actually invoke these via Siri. I don't know about you, but you used to be able to go into the settings uh, of the specific shortcut or go into settings app and go to Siri and kind of program voice launch of these shortcuts manually. And that moved somewhere, I think after iOS 13. Yeah. And I actually wasn't sure how to program those once that moved. And I, I finally Googled it because I was kind of tired of, of not knowing. And apparently now it's just the t- whatever you title the shortcut, uh, whatever word you use to title the shortcut is then the Siri command to start it. And so if your shortcut is titled going home, you can just say the word, hey, you know what, and the name of the shortcut, and then it launches it. Is that something that you do often? Yeah, so this was actually a change this this past OS update, so iOS 13, from Siri shortcuts and shortcuts to just one unified platform called shortcuts. You know, right. Previously, there was three different names for it. It was very confusing, and then nobody knew what to do with it. So right. Apple finally figured it out. I definitely have a few shortcuts that I use by Siri. One of the ones that I like is uh, with Carrot Weather. Mm. If you know that app, it's uh, very sassy. Yeah. Um, and you, yes. you can uh, link it up. So when you say, hey, what's the weather? It'll come up as carrot weather. And then now you have your HomePod reading, you know, very mean things to you over the HomePod. Yeah. <laughs> snarky, snarky. Right, right. I think you can set the snarky meter too. In yeah, if app, you right? have your like uh, less snark, more snark setting meter. to uh, be more professional, I guess, uh, you won't get those things through this shortcut. So that'll be fine. <laughs> so one of the other cool things you can do with triggering shortcuts is that you now have automation options in the Shortcuts app. And these can be anything from trigger the shortcut when I leave home or arrive home. So kind of a GPS style trigger, a time of day trigger. 
a CarPlay trigger. And some of the most interesting is actually settings triggers. Like if you connect to a certain Wi-Fi network, you connect to a specific Bluetooth device, or even when you tap an NFC tag. And this is something that I actually got from Andrew and I bought some. They're the go-to tags, a blank white on metal NFC stickers. They're like 11 or 12 bucks. I'll put the link in show notes to that uh, Amazon uh, where you can buy them on Amazon. But the NFC triggers uh, are actually really cool. Uh, You do have to get very close to the physical tag, uh, just so you know. So if you get these, you basically have to touch the top of your iPhone to the tag to invoke it. And your phone has to be unlocked, another thing I discovered. Uh, But I actually put one in my car because I do have a shortcut that resumes whatever podcast episode I was listening to in Pocket Casts, because that's the podcast app that I use to listen to all my podcasts. Uh, It resumes whatever I was listening to in Pocket Casts. And so it's a simple shortcut that I have. And to trigger it, I had it being triggered whenever I connected to my car Bluetooth, but honestly, it was a little annoying because sometimes I didn't want to play a podcast and the notification would come up all the time uh, when I turned on my car. And another slight annoyance is you can't really adjust shortcut notification settings. I went to the notifications in my settings app and there's not really a way to limit it to banners or off the home lock screen and things like that. So as far as I've found, there's not a, a good notifications manager for the shortcuts app. But so I changed it from a Bluetooth trigger to this NFC tag. I just put it in my car. And now when I get in and I'm ready to play a podcast, I unlock my iPhone, I hold the top of it right up against the tag, and it resumes whatever podcast episode I was listening to in Pocket Cast. And so that's kind of a a nice trigger. And again, that's a cool thing to play around with when I connect to my home Wi-Fi network, maybe set up a shortcut or some triggers that way, uh, or when you leave home, like turning off lights or turning off music or what have you. So uh, looking at those triggers, different ways you can do that. And I'll give you one more shortcut that I use and, and throw back to you. I have a focus time shortcut. You know, if I really want to either write something or focus on a task and I want to put on do not disturb for a certain amount of time and also play a playlist that I like to listen to, especially when I'm focusing on work. I have this focus time shortcut so that when I tap it or invoke it via Siri or the widget, it will set do not disturb. It'll turn on do not disturb for, again, I can choose the time. So actually when I run the shortcut, I can say 15, 30 or 60 minutes and I tap the time. It turns on Do Not Disturb for that amount of time, and then we'll also start playing a playlist of my choice on the headphones of my choice as well. And so that's a nice way to, you know, if I really want to focus, want to turn on Do Not Disturb and start some music, I can do it with one tap. So give me a couple more of yours. So uh, automation-wise, I've played around with these before, but could never really find any that stick that were specific to shortcuts. I live with roommates, so I would like the idea of walk like walking in a room, triggering a motion sensor and having music start playing, but I don't think they'd appreciate that too much. <laughs> right. I have uh, played with some of these NFC stickers before, and uh, one cool one that you can use as long as you have a plastic water bottle. I use a metal one now, so I can't do it, but you can have a NFC sticker on one of these and tap it and log your water uh, huh? for the day automatically. It's oh, a great, yeah, that's a great idea. Very nice. Yeah, stuff like that's usually pretty handy. I also like, again, uh, just throw a sticker somewhere. If you uh, walk into your room, have one by your door, tap that sticker, transfer audio to the speakers in your room if they're AirPlay 2 compatible. 
uh, stuff like that. It's pretty handy. Oh, that's a good thought. Yeah, I might uh, do that because I have a Sonos in one room and a HomePod in the other. And then, yes, there are shortcuts where you can just throw it to a specific device. But yeah, to automate that with the NFC sticker, that's, that's a cool thought. I'll give you two two last ones for me. Um, a really useful shortcut, and I did get this from Vitici, is the ability to take a screenshot from your iPhone or iPad or even your Mac and basically put a frame around it to make it look like the screenshot is in a device, whether that's an iPhone or iPad, with the tap of a button. And so when you tap this shortcut, pulls up your camera roll, the screenshots only, you can pick a screenshot and then it will give you a PNG with a iPhone looking frame and your screenshot inside with that image ready to share or save wherever you like. So really uh, handy, even if you just want to share a screenshot of your device on social media, it's kind of nice to have the device frame around it, not just the plain square or rectangle image. And so that's the uh, screenshot devices, a shortcut. And then the last one that I use a lot is QR codes. And if you want to create a QR code and, you know, for print or whatever, to go to your URL, if you Google how to generate a QR code, there are many, many ways to do it. Most of those services, a warning, will make you pay after a certain amount of clicks or scans of that QR code. And so I do not recommend paying for those services or even running those QR code, you know, running your QR codes through a third-party service. There's actually a shortcut that, again, all these links are in show notes, and I'll put the link to this one as well. But I have a QR code generator shortcut, and it generates a QR code directly in the shortcuts app that I could then save or share anywhere I'd like. And it is free from any third-party service or click uh, maximum or having to pay anything. And uh, just really useful there. So generate QR code, a very useful shortcut for me. You got any last ones you could throw at us? Sure. Uh, A couple that I've worked on myself, rather than stealing from the internet, I uh, actually have been utilizing shortcuts more for work, trying to find where areas where I can uh, just speed up my workflows. And I do a weekly post um, about iTunes sales and deals for TV shows and movies. One thing you can do, which is what you discussed earlier, is search the iTunes store and whatnot. But I've taken it a step further and made it so that it uses that iTunes search function with an input as a list. So I give it 10 movies that I've searched for deals, and then it outputs um, everything I need for the post automatically formatted. So I use the action combined with text at the very end, Mm. add the affiliate string, add all of the uh, line tags for HTML, and then out pops 10 ready-to-use links uh, to insert into the write-up for the weekend. And that's taken what I used to do for about an hour and made it take about three minutes. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And I, I read that post every week and it is, uh, <laughs> I've bought some movies because of it. So thank you for yeah. that. And then, uh, one more, uh, this one's actually only a couple of steps, but it's a little bit, a little bit of setup required. Um, this one lets you wake your Mac, uh, from sleep and then using Apple script on the Mac using SSH to go in, you can actually start sidecar uh, remotely. So I, I was playing around with that back when uh, iOS 13 and Mac OS Catalina first launched because I was wanting to use my iPad as a second screen for my Mac from anywhere in the apartment. It actually came out pretty well. It's Again, it's a bit complex to try and explain, even though it's only a few steps using Apple Script and all of that. But if you uh, search online, you can find tutorials for how to get there might include a link in the show notes to that as well. Now that's a, that's super interesting. Uh, just real quick, 
A, I want this. <laughs> so, so B, yeah, let's uh, please find a link because uh, I would love to, to try this. Does it set it to mirror the screen so you can just kind of control the Mac? Or does does it automatically appear as like a secondary display and you have to mess around with it? How does it do So uh, with the Apple Script side of things, you actually would configure what settings are going. And I have it set up so it automatically mirrors the screen so I don't have to uh, dig around for icons or windows. Well, that's awesome. That's a great one to end on. And uh, yes, we'll find something to put in the show notes so you can learn how to do that, listeners. But if you're interested in any of these shortcuts or if you'd like to hear more about shortcuts on future episodes or if you have a a problem or something that you would like to see if shortcuts can solve, let us know. Hit us up. Wes, what's your Twitter handle so our listeners know? Hilly Tech. It's like my last name, but with tech slapped on the end of it. So H-I-L-L-I-T-E-C-H. Very cool. And the link to... Wes's Twitter and my Twitter handle at Steven Robles will be in show notes. Hit us up with shortcut questions or thoughts. We'd love to hear your feedback and what you think of that. Again, if you want these shortcuts, you can look at the links in show notes and you can actually save them to your device right from there. Go to the article on appleinsider.com and you can save them there as well. And again, we'd love if you could give us a five-star rating and comment review in Apple Podcasts. That would help us out greatly. And so go there in your Apple Podcast app. You can do it right there. Hit us up, tweet at us, email us. We'd love to hear about it. And if there's other segments you'd like to hear about, we did HomeKit last week, Shortcuts this week. If there's any other kind of tutorial style segments you'd like to hear about or like things about screen time, parental controls, anything else, we'd love to hear about it so we can cover it on the show. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.